I'm Jessie of A Polar Night. I'm Heather of Tangled Bee Crafts, and you're listening to The Not So Crafty Gorgans. Woo woo! And today we're talking about witchcraft. Ooh. Because, you know, Halloween's coming up, and we've been celebrating since September 1st, because spooky season. Oh, wait, we weren't supposed to start until September 1st? I started September 1st. When did you start? Probably like June. (laughs) When you started working on your moon wreath. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So this episode is mostly going to be led by Jesse, but I'm going to throw some fun facts at ya. Whee! So apparently one of the number one hashtags on TikTok right now is witch talk with over 25 billion views which the baby witch in me is absolutely screaming because i discovered wicca when i was like 11 i think uh teen people book club for the people that are old enough to remember such a thing it was very briefly a thing (laughs) and they had a whole section about wicca books like they had like the section about mental health and then they had like uh teen drama love stories and then towards the back was a section about wicca and i think that i've actually since read like other people discovered wicca the exact same way yeah and apparently like parents got pissed about this it's part of the reason why the book club got disbanded was because parents complained so loudly about the witchcraft books being in there and right and so many of them were like super positive books like I think uh Daughters of the Moon Sisters of the Sun like I already had a copy of it but like that was one of the places where you could buy that book which was a very menstrual positive coming of age like learning about your period sort of a book and learning about the different ways to handle your period and stories from women and girls about their periods sure um super innocuous normal body positivity stuff and people were losing their minds about uterus what (laughs) we don't have uteruses nope we don't have sex they're a myth uh some research conducted by helen berger of brande university women's studies research center the number of americans identifying as a witch in 2001 was approximately 134,000. jesse you want to guess how many it is today I'm going to guess much higher because if we're actually accepting it, because that's back when, like, I was in the Teen People Book Club. Mm-hmm. So guess how much? Give me a number. Over 3 million? Oh, close. We're at 2 million today. <sighs> so we got, we're going to get a little bit higher. A little bit higher. Okay. We're close. We're close. So, yeah. I thought that was super interesting, because I would not have guessed anywhere near that much okay. to be honest but also i would say if i were asked on a survey if i identify as a witch i would actually probably say no even though i probably actually partially kind of do Tell I, me more. like i practice so like i was you know a little baby witch back in the day and i don't necessarily call myself a witch and i don't necessarily like celebrate holidays or like but like i still do spell magic i still do some version of spellcraft and things in my life I just don't call it anything it's just kind of a part of my personal practice so I don't identify as a witch but I bet there's a lot of people because our generation is like the 
I'm spiritual, not religious generation. And I yeah. bet there's a lot of people that fall under that umbrella. So I'm going to, I think that number might be higher if you count us in there too. Yeah. Cause I definitely do a lot of witchy stuff, but I don't identify outwardly as a witch. I'm still technically in the broom closet. So, <laughs> yes. Um, but fun fact we have evidence that witchcraft very much predates Christianity, very, very much so, um, depending on how you define witchcraft. Basically, shamanism, all that fun stuff way before Christianity, including um, Egyptian witchcraft practices, um, everything from Hammurabi. So, witchcraft has been around for a long time. And I would say the aspect of witchcraft I'm most interested in is how it pertains to use in the fiber arts. So not magic, um, some of those beliefs around, especially in Europe where it's like you, I think it's St. Birgit's Day or Brigid's Day, where like you have to have all of your spinning done before then mm-hmm. or like terrible things will happen. I don't remember what the terrible things are. We'll put that in the notes, though. I'll definitely look that up and get more details on that. But, um, yeah, Jesse, do you want to talk a little bit about your how you came into Wicca and yeah. the person you met? So, I, like I said, Teen People Book Club, but I've always been, I think that there's a certain personality, and TikTok is definitely uh, reinforcing this for me. We're crafty. We like cats. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us are are bisexual not everyone <laughs> but let, let's face it there's a which there's a people yeah there's a there's a personality type that tends to and it's not everyone you know like for for my for my straight baby witches and my and my uh dog lover people you you matter too i see you but i'm just saying <laughs> there's a there's sure is a lot of us that fit this personality type um and so i think that there is absolutely um, from the very beginning, there was that draw towards a certain aesthetic. Um, I, I For a lot of kids that get into it in particular, I think that's a part of the draw is the fact that it feels, it's like that childhood draw towards magic. Um, it's the bottles with suspicious looking uh, liquids herbs. in them. Yeah, and herbs and, and having, you know, being able to design your altar and make this little space for your religion in your home. Um, and having that look like something out of Hocus Pocus. Uh, I think that there was a a little bit of a draw towards that originally. But also, like, looking back, um, my grandmother was Catholic, but she also, like, when we went through her house, she had a lot of, like, scrying stuff and, like, um, fortune-telling stuff, psychic stuff. Like, she she just had a lot of things that I'm just like, I think Nana had a bent towards, uh, towards the mystical. Sure. And I think that that might be that part of my familial lineage coming out. But for me, a lot of the initial draw was definitely that aesthetic and the crafting and the ability to, like, make things to put on my altar. And, like, the fact that spellcraft does feel like an art. Like, it's pretty. And, like, you are doing something with intention that has a physical manifestation oftentimes. You know, like scrying things into like putting things into candles like putting sigils into candles researching different gods and goddesses and and deciding which one you know you were going to try to appeal to for certain spells or doing different things like you know putting someone's name in the freezer and having that be a meaningful thing um I even had like little ice cube 
trays specifically that were designed for freezing people out that were in little like x shapes mm-hmm. as to like you know bind them um So for me, that's how I kind of came into it, I think. And it became just kind of an intrinsic part of my practice. I, in my adulthood, became a Mormon, uh, as Heather is well aware. But I lucked out in that my, the family that I kind of married into was very open-minded. And I don't want to call them out too bad because I don't want them to get in trouble or anything. But my my, my ex-husband won't. Um, But, you know, we had... I had like diff- four different blessings from different religions on our door frames and we had the missionaries come in and bless our house and I had different spells around our house and crystals and things to protect us. Um, I had done some traditional healing type stuff with a with a traditional uh, native healer and stuff. So we were pretty open-minded in terms of our spirituality of our home. So while we, you know, read our scriptures every night and everything, we also like had this bent towards... Um, magic that was very well accepted in our household and extended family was even maybe not supportive but not adverse you know um which was very nice to to have that to have people not be critical of of that when they would hear about it um so it's something that I've kind of always had in me but again I don't identify as a witch I've had friends that do and I've had them run spells for me and stuff but interestingly enough I grew up in Massachusetts I talk about it a lot um but it's where I grew up uh, and I grew up about an hour and a half away from Salem. So when I was a little baby witch learning about witchcraft, I was in the perfect position to go see something. So in Salem, Massachusetts in 1970, Lori Cabot, and everyone who's a witch is going to basically recognize her name, she's Salem's official witch. Um, she opened her store called Pickering Wharf. And back then in 1970, um, Wicca was just kind of coming into its own as a religion in America. Uh, It was very much, um, uh, came out of the environmentalism movement. It's, Wicca is a really nice mix of spirituality, science, environmentalism, um, and honestly, like, it's people like Lori Cabot who really kind of helped set the stage for that and explained it to people. And it's thanks to her that a lot of people even know what it is because she opened the store and she had to deal with a lot of hate kids would come in and they'd learn about things and she would teach people and she would like explain things to them and they'd come in and say hey I I need this and she'd explain how to do a spell and then she'd have people telling her to go to hell she'd have (laughs) you know like she just dealt with all the brunt of all of these things so that people could move forward and have witch talk and I think that's really important when you're talking about anything is to talk to about the people that fought for us to exist in spaces and Lori Cabot is 150% that person and it was her books that I started with. Oh so fun fact she's actually mentioned in the magazine I'm reading yeah, uh, the story of witches ancient origins a modern movement and this uh, magazine says in 1977 Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis proclaimed Gab- Cabot the official witch of Salem, and awarded her the Patriot Award for her work with children with special needs. Mm -hmm. So that is fascinating. Yep, and she actually has Mm -hmm. um, the Witches League of Public Awareness, Witches League for Public Awareness. Um, She runs an organization that basically just Mm -hmm. champions um, witches' rights and people's rights to uh, engage in their religion without persecution. 
She hosted the first annual witches ball. Mm-hmm. I would love to attend that. Okay. We should do it. We should go to Salem. We should go to Salem. Yes. I think we were talking on a different episode, or maybe even not on an episode, but we need to go do that. Like, go tour the hauntings and... Especially because we have, like, people out there where we could stay and stuff, so that would be feasible financially, too. That would be nice. Just gonna put that out there. We could go stay with my mom and she would feed us. Oh, nice. And stuff. And she's plant-based, so you go to get along great. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> I don't know if she's listening, but I'll, I'll tell her to listen because she's been mentioned. <laughs> um, so her shop, unfortunately, closed their brick and mortar in 2012. Uh, kind of Salem's tourism was hit hard by the recession and so she does still have an online store. She still has books. Highly recommend you check her out. But back in the day, when I was a little baby witch, I got to meet her. Oh, cool. Which was really cool. She actually worked at her store. Like, Nice. Yeah. So talk about humble. Yeah, she's really cool. And she was so nice. And I was just fangirling all over her. Oh, um, my first experience was, like, just meeting someone who I perceived as famous, really. Yeah. And I was just so, just, awe-stricken. And she did sign a book for me, and I'm a dumbass, and I lost it. Ugh. So, Lori, if you're, uh, if you're listening to this, I would, I would love to get another book signed by you. Well, I guess we better go to Salem. I guess we better. Her store's not there anymore, but she is. We so. find her. I have, I have a, an account with Truefinder, oh. or Truthfinder, so I can find people's addresses. Oh, that's, that's, okay. <laughs> Don't ask me why I have that. I had a been verified, so, which is the same thing, because I had, well, I, I will straight up say why. I had children living in my house, and if anyone was having contact with me, I was going to know everything about them. Yep. I don't care if that's creepy. It's just how it is. Safety first. Yay! Yeah, no, so... I, I'm reading a book right now called So Witchy, and it's so as an S-E-W, so just like not so um, in our name. But so it's called So Witchy, and it's interesting because it goes through and talks about different patterns, right, but also different ways to incorporate sewing into your witchcraft and vice versa. And one of the things that this book covers is sewing stitches into like your hems or your seams for spell work to like protect a garment or whatever the case may be and even if at whatever level you don't believe in magic right like even if you don't believe that that has any influence in that way just from like the psychological aspect of that reinforcement and that affirmation piece I think putting in that kind of a attention and intention into your handcraft is very beautiful and very touching and like when I make things for people I always automatically just think about all the positive things I want them to experience while they have the thing and so in some regards that can be conceived as spell work you know so it's yeah I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. No, as you were saying that, like, I was thinking about, um, I worked at a retail shop for a little bit, um, and a girl, um, that I worked with actually made me a, uh, a couple of spells, which were just, like, some things in jars that she put intentions into, 
and then another coworker, they had put sigils all over the place for different things to ward off angry customers, um, to ward off negativity, to, for protection. Um, and we were just basically told by management just to make sure that they weren't anywhere where customers could see just in, just in case like I mean right. it was a freaking sex toy shop so like the chances of anybody <laughs> getting mad about it was probably pretty low but but still but still just so we didn't get any uncomfortable questions or people being inappropriate at us they they asked us to just kind of keep it under wraps so we did um but we did have protection sigils and stuff and most of the staff I think were some degree of witchy nice. um yeah we were all like queer witchy weirdos <laughs> 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 including myself in that um so when you're talking about that I'm think picturing my coworker lovingly going around and putting sigils on stuff and it just feels very much like that and I think there is a bent most witches I think are some degree of if not environmentalists strive towards environmentalism and probably feel some degree of guilt towards their contributions to capitalism and destruction of the environment because frankly our existence there's no way to not partake in that right um and I think that like that making things yourself uh, really lends itself heavily into. So I think that's why you do see that overlap of, like, sewing for yourself, making soap, making candles, doing, like, a lot of that. It, it has intention in the same way that Spellcraft does, and it's that same mindset of just trying to do things that are positive and full of light. Right. When, like, I make salve, right? And I've been making jellies and things like that, and there's that witchy element to mm-hmm. that and, like, going out and foraging the things... So it's definitely, I think about how if I did the things that I do today back in, you know, colonial times, I would absolutely be hung as a witch. Yep. Or burnt at the stake. So. There was a post recently about early witchcraft persecution and Mm -hmm. how it had to really be sold to people. So I think that's important to note, too. Um, witchcraft has been around for a while and a lot of the women that were considered to be witches were healers Uh, they were people that were taking and they had some level of responsibility and they had uh, uh, because of that they had power frankly Um, anyone who can heal someone has power um, or at least perceived power Um, and I think that that was taken away by the patriarchy and I think the patriarchy started the smear campaign against women who could do things like who knew what herbs did who knew bodies who knew um who could do things like safely make alcohol um who could safely make beer um things like that and that was largely up to women uh so these men had to sell it to the general public because the general public was like it's kind of fucked up to burn anybody at the stake so like well also it's benefiting us (laughs) yeah exactly so it had to be like sold to people and the first few times that witches were persecuted it was actually not a popular opinion thing our the public record has been altered to make it seem like this is something that everyone was on board with. I want to put it out there. It was not. So, um, interesting. Kind of interesting that, like, most people weren't actually against witchcraft. And a lot of it was just seen as parts of life and daily, daily life to have women that just did the things that they do, made salves, made, went and knew things about herbs. It was, it was our duty as women in society to the know caretakers. how to do those things. Yep. Yeah, I think about it as that, like, importance of caretaking for others is knowing how to heal them, take care of Mm boo-boos, all that fun stuff. And I I just, I I think about all the things in fiber arts, like the spells behind, like, um, 
the number of knots and what that means, you know, for luck or for prosperity or for protection or for banishment or whatever. And thinking about, like, macrame and, like, how much implications there are with macrame, right? So, and macrame was really popular in the 70s, and there was also quite a bit of, like, re-envisiting or re-engaging with witchcraft in the 70s and, like, that boho, chic, hippie culture. So. And I think a lot of the things that I found in my grandmother's basement, I think that they were, like, things from the 40s through the 70s that were, like, fortune-telling games. And Ooh, fun. Yeah. Um, it makes me think about, like, the spiritualist communities that were in, like, Massachusetts back then, you know, and they did, like, the table wrapping and stuff and just how that got. I just think there's always been a draw towards trying to understand what we don't understand and using, you know, like, a lot of those same people were doing things, like getting interested in herbs and getting interested in different cures and stuff and I think that there's just a natural inclination because it's a part of the human experience and trying to take power where we have none you know and trying to like assert that and life is really hard and scary and unpredictable and if I can sew this apron for my daughter that's going to protect her from the creeps at the bakery then I'm going to sew her this bait you know this Mm -hmm. apron so and then it's from what I remember reading in I think it was Japan the mothers would like so little um no 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 it was uh Hmong China so the Hmong people um the mothers would like sew these little like rice sachets that they would then attach to the inner pocket of the shirt of their children as like a protection to like keep them healthy and like the thought process was that the rice would absorb the negative energy or the negative spirits so yeah it's interesting yeah because one of the things that I'm looking into for my surgery is I'm trying to think of things because you can't have jewelry on um you can't like you you basically like you you swell up during surgery so you can't have like your rings on or anything and if they do need to do anything that involves like a quick scan or anything they they you can't have jewelry on which totally makes sense so I was looking into uh I've worn waist beads in the past and I was looking into wearing waist beads that have like different stones on them because that's not something I would have to remove during surgery like a lot of women wear them and they just keep them on so I was going to look into getting some that were non-metallic stone waist beads to wear to have on me during surgery for that level of protection just trying to think of something I could still have on or with me um and I've heard about people asking their surgeons you know if they could have like a crystal with them um or things like that and being either told yes or no interesting cool I hope you get to me too I mean, they're doing surgery on my head. They shouldn't need to remove anything off of my abdomen. So I'm going to try it. And then if they tell me I have to take my beads off, then I have to take my beads off. But I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. I think about the increasing popularity with witchy aesthetics in general. And I think about, like, the witchy stitcher. She's very popular. Cross-stitch designer. And her work, she does a lot of, like, cryptids and, like, supernatural and, like, spooky stuff. And her stuff when she posts it sells out within minutes like that's how popular she is and I just think about there's also like Night Spirit Studio who's similarly very witchy vibes very spooky occult type things for cross stitch her stuff sells out almost immediately 
And I feel like within that population, when they fangirl over something, they fangirl hard. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, die hard, like... um, So if you want to be all about us, be about us. (laughs) (laughs) We welcome you into our coven, our Gorgon coven. So... Yeah, no, it was super funny. I had a coworker the other day email me. She's like, can I join your coven? And I was just like, what? And I was like, of course, anybody can join my coven. We're all inclusive. And she's like, I love you so much. And I love that that wasn't weird. She's like, it wasn't, except that we work for a Christian organization. And I was wondering if it was a trap. <laughs> do, we, do we have a coven? Is there a coven? I feel like you and I are a coven. Okay, cool. We're a coven. So, we swap baked goods and food and salves. Yeah. I didn't make the ones that I gave you, but I acquired them. Acquired them, wink, wink. (laughs) What did you trade for those? (laughs) I sold them. (laughs) Better be some damn good salve. (laughs) As the kitty meows to remind you of your pact with the devil. (laughs) Like Satan's watching. <laughs> Waffles would be the one to say that. <laughs> this cat is chaos. Oh. Yeah, my sister, when I was talking to her the other day, she's like, I feel like you are just chaos. And I was like, that's so interesting that that's her perspective of me because I feel like other people's perspective of me is that I'm like organized and very like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> But my little sister's perspective of me, hey, Megan, I'm talking about you, and I know you listen, you freak. Um, <laughs> she's going to be like, what? Why are you calling me a freak? Um, but, yeah, no, it's super funny because I was talking to her last night, and she was like, you're just chaos. Like, you're so chaotic. And that's how I am as, like, the black sheep of the family, the rainbow glitter sheep of the family. <laughs> like, I just go do my own thing. Don't. Fuck rules, fuck convention. Yeah, see, none of this would be shocking. Like, my family, I, I can't disappoint them. Like, I have siblings that have been to jail. I'm good. Like, the, bar's, <laughs> the bar is low for me, and I leap over it. I also have a sister who's a physician's assistant, though, so I'm, like, right there in the middle. Like, I'm not doing too good, and I'm not doing too bad. We're right there. Like, I can do whatever <laughs> I want. I also can't shock them anymore. I feel like that's my sister's position of, like, my brother went to jail, and then I'm the one who's, like... I have a family. I have a full-time job. I'm paying bills. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so one thing that's been really popular on um, Facebook lately that I've been seeing is prosperity spells with, like, the prosperity bowls where they do, like, the cinnamon and the rice oh, yeah. and the money or the money bowls or whatever you want to call it. And, it, and like, blowing cinnamon and the, like, great debate of do you blow the cinnamon in your door or out your door? And so are you bringing the cinnamon in or are you blowing out the negative energy that's like stopping the cinnamon from coming in? So I have an interesting relationship with prosperity spells. Tell um, me. So there's a thing in, in um, Mormonism of all places, but I th- you're going to just find these weird little parallels in all these other religions. So there's like this joke about, and it came up during like a general conference thing. Uh, and it was like, if you pray for patience be prepared to be tested, right? So, like, that's how you get patience is by being faced with situations that teach you it. There's no other way. Like, you can't just pray for it. You're not given it. Spell work works the same fucking way, okay? And people don't realize that. If you ask for something, be prepared to get it. It's like when you're working with, um, 
stone that is very scary. Stone, the green stone. Very scary. Emerald? I don't know. No. Um, Jasper? I don't know. Moldavite. Stones. Moldavite. Moldavite is going to move your life in ways that are unpleasant as hell. Because it just, it open it, it bulldozes the path for what is supposed to happen. And yeah. it will pull you along screaming behind it. Nice. And then it, oftentimes the rock will disappear when you don't need it anymore. Like people lose Moldavite left and right. It, which is really upsetting because it's very expensive. Oh, interesting. I personally don't own Moldavite. I don't touch Moldavite. I won't deal with Moldavite because my life is enough like that that I don't I don't need anything pulling me along screaming. My my life the universe does that plenty for me. Um but there's a thing in spellcraft where like I feel like every time I've done a prosperity spell, my life has had to go in a different direction to make it happen. So the paths to get prosperity are oftentimes very uncomfortable. And while that may be perfectly valid and maybe it shakes out okay in the end, uh, I've never had a positive experience with a prosperity spell. I think that what they do is they move your life in a way to bring you money, but I think that money brings trouble. And I think that money, it, it is hard to get and your life will have to change for it to happen. That's my take. I could be wrong, but that's my experience. <laughs> it's like having a piece of Moldavite. So fun fact. I bought an authentic Moldavite ring from Etsy several months ago. Like several, several months ago. And um, did not buy it because of like anything property related. Bought it because it was pretty and green, right? Because green's my favorite color. And it, listening to you started like putting some weird things together. Because around the time I bought it, was around the time this guy at my work who had been really like just frustrating me quit and I was like oh that was like really random and like boom it was also around the time that my husband quit his job and like committed to living in Anchorage full-time and then like that was a huge shift right but there's all these like random like big changes happening around this time and so it's super funny that you say that because I'm just like, huh. And then I also got like more responsibilities at work. So, yeah. I, I'm wondering. It's also around the time we started the podcast. I accidentally so. touched a piece of mold bite about a month before I went and had my surgical consult. My friend handed it to me and I went, eh! Because, like, she bought a pair of earrings that we're going to dismantle, and I will take the piece of mold bite after I'm healed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try it. Much like, I just. I feel like my life has already been so upside down. We can't really go further upside down here. Um, but I'm hoping at that point it'll help us calm down is my, my goal. We'll freaking see. But, like, I touched it, and I'm wonder I've been wondering how much touching that piece of mold bite made the surgery happen. Yeah, it's super funny because, like, I wore that ring every day for weeks, and things just were so intense. And for those of you, just some insight into me, the more jewelry I wear, the more, like, stable and grounded I am. The less I wear, the more, obviously, like, I don't have this boons to adorn myself. Um, that feels very familiar. <laughs> and so, like, I stopped wearing it just because, like, things were just so intense. They weren't bad. It was just intense. Intense. Um, it just... will bulldoze. Like, that's what it, it bulldozes change. Like, it just yep. makes change happen. And I don't know that I'm prepared for any more fucking change after the last three years. Yeah, and that was also around the time that we, like, pulled the boys from their daycare because we found out, like, I walked in on terrible things happening in the daycare. Yeah. So, 
And we're <laughs> back from a brief intermission. So sorry if what we start talking about now makes no sense in context <laughs> of what we had been talking about. Blame us both being squirrel-brained monsters. But I think that, like, what I do with um, wire wrapping kind of ties in, too, because I just uh, use rocks that have meaning to me, usually, or, like, things that just have good energy. And, like, copper is known as, like, a grounding metal. Um, I prefer copper a lot. And copper has, you know, antibacterial as well as, um, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, pain-relieving qualities, mm-hmm. too. Yep. So... Yeah, I was going to bring that out. I have a friend who's, uh, she has fibromyalgia and she wears copper-based jewelry and she has a copper knife for her altar um, because she's actually a practicing witch. I think that's why I don't coat my coppers. I really think it might be my witchy origin story that causes me to want raw stones, raw metal, real stones, things like that. Like, I absolutely will work with other things, but my preference is for stones and actual metal. And I think that's why. So you're not, like, covering up or obscuring any sort Mm -hmm. of properties that it contains. Yeah. No, I think that makes total sense. Moldavite! Yay, Moldavite! But yeah, my whole life was, like, getting crazy when I got that ring. It wasn't bad. It was just a lot of change. So I'm wearing it. I'm not afraid of it, though. Yeah, I'm a little, I mean, you know what I've been through in the last, like, Yeah, I'm like, like, you have reason to be afraid of change right now. Yeah, I'm just like, no more, please. Like, let's just, can things just settle? I'm hoping that by the time I do start wearing a piece of Moldavite, what I, my instinct is telling me, and my instincts tend to be correct, um, my intuition, is that by the time I get to the point of, like, wrapping a piece of Moldavite and handling it, I think that I'm going to be at a point where things will naturally start shaking into position anyways, and I think that there's been so much upheaval that I think it's going to help me just get things, make sure that they're staying in the direction they need to stay. Sure. Is my hope. Yeah. Or it'll just put everything to shit, which is also fine. I'm used to that at this point. Yeah. Talking about, like, the overlap between witchcraft and crafty, I got an oracle deck that is the Stitcher's oracle deck, and it's all, like, different craft supplies, and it's just a very beautiful deck. Oh, that's... Very gorgeous. That's... I have the uh, Alleyman's Tarot, and I actually, in a future episode, and our listeners can let me know if they want me to do this, I was going to do a deep dive into tarot cards and the art and the meaning behind the cards and stuff yeah. in a future episode if anyone wants that, or you can let me know I'm what you'd want me to do. Are you a listener? I listen. <laughs> while I edit. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, But even the imagery that I pick for my, like, jewelry, I think is very witchy, and that's not intentional. Yeah, you have a lot of, like, crescent shapes. You have a lot of um, very flowy, earthy shapes. Um, A lot of your pieces give me a maternal vibe, and I think that's part of my draw to them, because even with how the wire is holding the stone and, like, caressing it while it's, like, not obscuring the stone, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. It's interesting because there's so many different practices behind and, like, superstitions. Like, if you crochet a piece of your hair into the project, then it adds protective qualities to the project. If you put in a mistake, then your soul can escape from your project. So my house is really well protected with how much of my hair is absolutely everywhere. (laughs) Which you know what that means for me. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) 
Yeah, no, the concept of leaving my hair in projects. Because as I crochet, I'll, like, have random strands. Yeah. And I'll be, like, gagging as I'm, like, pulling it out. And, like, it's funny because it's my hair. And Denmark's like, you shower every day. Why is your hair grossing you out? I'm like, I can't explain it. From a textural standpoint, though, I can see where that would be uncomfortable. Because even, like, something about yarn gives me that, like, tooth sensation. That Mm. uncomfortable, like, I don't know, something about, like, yarn. The squickiness. Mm -hmm. Like, something about it gives, you know what I mean? That uncomfortable tooth thing. That I think that's a neurodivergent thing. I don't think neurotip. So if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, just ignore this part. (laughs) Um, So I get it. That would... I don't know that I intentionally put my hair in a project. I'm sure that there's all kinds of my hair in my projects. <laughs> unintentionally. Which, yeah. I don't sell crochet, so I'm totally fine with admitting that, like, I probably, in my knitting, in my crochet, in my, you know, uh, any of my fiber arts, there's probably loaded with hair. Well, and there's even, like, spell practices behind, like, how you close up a project. Oh. And, like, the binding and, like, associating that with binding. Um, that's why there's, like, the knitter's curse not having your husband or the man before he's your husband, whatever he's called, um, giving him something that goes around the neck because that represents strangling him as you would in their relationship. Oh. So. Interesting. Yeah. So I want men to know. That, that I'm going to strangle them in the relationship, yeah. that, like, they are at risk if they date me. Well, it was funny because, like, my <laughs> husband, when we were just dating, was always like, you never make me anything. How come you don't crochet me stuff? I'm like, I don't want to ruin this. And he's like, what? <laughs> and then I had to explain to him the superstition. And then after we got married, he's like, so you can make me something now, right? And then I made him a cowl in his favorite color, mind you. And he has never worn it see it's funny i use my sewing as a bargaining chip and i still haven't sewn for him yet because he was like how come you don't sew for me and i was like because we're not married and then we got married and i still haven't so i'm a i probably need to do something about that but but ladies keep keep that in mind bargaining chip sewing Mm. yeah yeah i would definitely be turned on by someone who can sew even though i can so sort of I'm getting better at it I can skin sew so that's a that's a thing I can do yeah it's pretty impressive I'm coming to the the commune with some skills yeah just so you know good to know very good yeah very important I'm trying to think about like who would be on my post-apocalyptic team and like I need more fighters (laughs) like more people to fight (laughs) who would fight who has the health to fight? <laughs> I could shoot things, so we got, we got, <laughs> got a gun. Got a gun. Yeah, you and Courtney can be the gun people. I'll be the bow and arrow. Because I can at least do that with my compound bow that I got from my other big sister. So. Yeah! Witchcraft! Bows! Bows and arrows! Whee! I envision myself, my, like, dream life is living in an actual cottage with, like, mushroom fare and, like foraged foods just making stuff all day and like I'm alone with my animals and then my kids occasionally come by that sounds nice <laughs> my cottage would have other cottages adjacent because sometimes I want to do parallel play with someone who is similarly minded yes exactly so like just have my cottage next to a bunch of my friends cottages and I can see any of them whenever I want to but also I can go fuck off and do my own thing yes goals I love my children but they are not conducive to crafting at all right now. Not at this age. It's kind of, so I think that's another one of those interesting things too about kids is how 
and they are also like minded towards nature in a way that I think witchcraft feels very Mm-hmm. conducive to like you know imagine being a little kid going on a hike I can't tell you how many twigs sticks rocks and things I'd end up with in my pockets I was just gonna say I recently washed pants and Luca had rocks in his pants pocket and I was like are, were these yours I feel like oh yeah I need those mom for my potion witches are just what? we're like adults who didn't outgrow that you know yeah. like I totally like on my altar when I had one had like sticks and rocks and found things that just felt like I resonated with them. Yeah. And it was me just being a giant four-year-old being like, I like this stick. I'm taking it home. Well, and, like, the, it's interesting because the rocks he picked up and, like, chose when I asked him to tell me about it, like, why this rock? He's like, I like this one because of the stripes. Aww. I like this one because of the shape. I like this one because my friend gave it to me. And I was like, oh, you have friends. That's so cute. You're becoming an independent human being, and I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yay, witches. Happy Halloween. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Not So Crafty Gorgons. We really appreciate your support, and we couldn't do any of this without you, our listeners. Cover art is by Marina Soul Art. Music is by Naveed, who is a min-me on Fiverr. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review or rating on whatever platform that you prefer. And for exclusive content with the Gorgons, including tutorials, swag, and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash notsocraftygorgons. For episode previews and other updates, follow us on Instagram at not underscore so underscore crafty underscore gorgons. Thank you.